0: Some say that Halloween is a very spiritual holiday. While it has been reduced to a child's delight, candy and costumes and games, its true nature is much different and darker. There is the claim that on the night of Halloween, the spiritual forces of reality are closest to the physical. The distance between the world that we can see and the world that we cannot is closed. I would soon find that this made things possible that otherwise were not. A witch is a mad woman on any other day, but on Halloween, her spells might just work. A bereaved mother looking to speak to her dead son would need psychological intervention on any other day. But on Halloween, she might just hear his voice. And a game children play to scare themselves would end anticlimactically any other day on Halloween, that childish game might just become a deadly reality. My wife, Jessie, and I had just sent our kids off into the night so they could collect candy. The Millers had agreed to host a slumber party for some of the local kids this year. So our two kids would not be coming back for the entire night. Neither would Mac and Abigail's kids. So we invited our two best friends over to drink wine and relax. While of course, occasionally answering the front door to hand out Halloween candy. Isn't it funny, Mac said, how we essentially just all agree to pay for everyone else's children's candy? Like we could just buy our own kids a giant bag, but instead, we just dole it out to the whole neighborhood. It's just a part of the whole parenting deal, Jesse said. We do it because it's special for the kids, not because it's reasonable or makes financial sense. Speaking of financial sense, Mac began, Have you heard of this new cryptocurrency, Jacob? It's supposed to be bigger than- No, Abigail interrupted. No one is talking about stocks or finances tonight. Jesse and I laughed and Mac rolled his eyes. How are the kids? Abigail asked, looking from me to Jesse. Amazing, Jesse said with a smile. And exhausting and just awful, you know how it is. Mac took an aggressive gulp of wine. Yeah, I hear you. So should we put on a movie? Something scary? I asked. Everyone agreed to the idea. We decided on some film about kids who perform a ritual in their garage and summon an ancient demon. Jesse and I went to the kitchen to make popcorn for everyone and to refill everyone's wine glasses. That was nice of the Millers to volunteer to watch the kids this year. It was pretty exhausting for us last year, Jesse said. Yeah. I said, it's good to just relax. I pulled Jessie in and kissed her. I already feel pretty drunk, I said and laughed. That's okay, Jesse said with a grin. We have no responsibilities tonight. We carried the wine and popcorn to the living room. Starting the movie, I snuggled up on one side of the couch with Jesse, and Mac and Abigail cuddled on the other side. The film was clearly low budget, and we got some good laughs from how bad the acting and special effects were. The teenagers in the movie were performing a ritual where they needed to call out the demon's name to summon it. That's when Abigail spoke up, setting our night on a trajectory that would change our lives forever. You guys remember that game we would play in the bathroom in high school? Abigail asked. I laughed. No, but tell us more. Shut up, Abigail said. You remember, don't you, Jesse? You turn off all the lights and bring a candle and talk into the mirror or something. Oh, Jesse said. You mean Bloody Mary? Yes, Abigail said, sitting up excitedly. Let's do something dumb and silly. Let's do that. I'm already wine drunk and I want to have fun like a kid again. That sounds like a stupid schoolgirl thing to do, Max said. Well, that's who you married. Abigail responded with a sly smile. Wait, I said. You guys did this when you were younger, right? Jesse and Abigail both nodded. And did it work? They laughed and shook their heads. (laughs) But tonight will be different, right? I said sarcastically. Oh, come on, Jesse said while rubbing my shoulder. It'll take like two minutes. Then we can go back to this terrible movie. All right, Max said. But don't come crying to me when a demon is trying to eat you." Everyone got up. The rest of the gang went to the kitchen to search for a candle and matches. I went to the front door and turned off the porch light and the light in the foyer. It was late enough, and we no longer needed to deliver candy to all the neighborhood kids. Turning off the lights was the universal sign that this house was no longer open for Halloween shenanigans. "'So,' Jesse said as I walked into the kitchen. Which mirror should we use? The guest bathroom, I suggested. Everyone agreed and we all piled into our small bathroom and closed the door. We were giggling like middle schoolers. I can't believe we're doing something that our children might also literally be doing right now, Max said laughing. (laughs) Jessie struck the match in the dark and carried the beacon of light to the wick of the candle. It ignited and she shook out the match. The small flame danced across all our faces It cast unsettling shadows on my friends. And I must admit, I was a little unnerved. So what do we do exactly? I asked. We hold the candle to the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times. Then we wait to see her show up in the mirror. Can't wait to meet the lovely lady, Max said. Jesse set the candle on the back of the sink, close to the mirror. Two flames danced together in the small dark room, one real, one just an imitation. We said it quickly in rapid succession. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. We all held our breath and peered into the dark spaces of the mirror. The candle went out. Jesse and Abigail screamed and flung the door open. Mac and I started laughing. The girls eventually started laughing too. Nice one blowing the candle out, Mac said. Oh, I said. I thought that was you. You guys win, Abigail said. That was stupid. We returned to the living room and put the movie back on. Having a sudden urge to urinate, I headed up to the master bathroom. Now that I was alone, I became disturbed by our large bathroom mirror. I tried to avoid looking at it for fear of seeing the face of a girl who didn't belong. But I didn't see Mary in our mirror. I saw her on my phone. I had just finished texting a friend and locked my phone. When the black mirror on my phone appeared, I saw a face staring back at me, but it wasn't mine. It was a young, pale girl with empty holes where her eyes should have been. She had frantic, greasy black hair. Then I heard a whisper come to me like a gentle breeze. Do you want to see what becomes of you, Jacob? I should have screamed, but I was in a trance-like state, strangely calm. What becomes of me? The whisper reached me again, Tonight is a party with a dear friend, but it's by his hand that you'll meet your end. Be quick, you mustn't act too late or else you've already sealed your fate. Suddenly, I saw a new reflection on the screen. I could see Mac and myself standing in the garage. Mac jumped on me, he looked unbelievably angry. He was choking me, his hands on my throat. I watched the life drain out of my own body and I went limp gasped and then only saw my own reflection in my phone. I should have found what had just happened unbelievable. But instead, I had a strong sense of urgency and clarity. I believed her. Why did I believe her? Acting fast, I ran downstairs to the garage to find a tool to arm myself. As I passed through the living room, I noticed Mac glaring at me, rage in his eyes. Jesse and Abigail were also silent, staring at each other. I moved into the garage and picked up a metal hammer, but Mac was already on me. He tackled me to the ground and the hammer slid just out of reach. Mac shouted. I was fighting off his hands with mine. She showed me what you were going to do. He continued. You think you can sleep with my wife? You're supposed to be my friend. His hands closed on my neck. What? I gasped. You're going to kill me for something I haven't even done? Weren't you about to do the same? Mac said nodding to the hammer. His rage was horrifying, so much hatred in his eyes. The veins on his neck flared as he choked the life out of me. With a quick movement, I punched him in the gut, and he recoiled, just enough for me to break free and reach the hammer. I spun around. He was already lunging at me. I swung the hammer with fierce intention. It contacted hard with his temple. There was a cracking sound, and then another when his skull hit the floor. He was dead. Someone was laughing, a wicked laughter like rueful wind. Turning to the large mirror at the back of my garage, I saw the girl with no eyes and wild hair. She was standing over Mac's body, laughing. Then in the reflection, I saw Abigail enter the garage behind me, covered in blood. What did you do? She asked, looking at Mac's body. What did you do? I retorted, pointing to the blood on her dress. She... She showed me that horrible girl. Abigail stammered. When I looked in my makeup mirror, she showed me Jessie. Jessie was killing my children. She was going to kill them. Abigail broke down sobbing. I shoved past her and ran to the living room. Jessie was lying face up on the floor. There was a kitchen knife in her chest and a dark redness radiating out from it. Then that young voice reached me again. You see it plainly. She's killed your wife. You need revenge, so take her life. Abigail was still standing in the garage. I charged her and tackled her to the floor. I felt her arm snap beneath me. There was an unquenchable rage in me. I hardly knew what I was doing. I grabbed her neck just as her husband had grabbed mine, and I squeezed. I squeezed with a strength I had never had before. The girl was laughing while I did it. Finally, Abigail went limp. I looked up at the girl in the mirror who was still laughing. Her mouth stopped moving, but I still heard her voice in my ears. Wasn't this a fun game to play? Let's play again, some other day. Then she waved at me from inside the mirror and she vanished as if she were a flame on a candle that had been blown out. As she disappeared, so did all my rage and focus. I looked at the two bodies in my garage, two of my best friends, and I had killed them. I thought of them and Jesse, and I began to sob. The jury unanimously declared me guilty with three counts of murder. They blamed me even for the murder of my sweet Jesse. My lawyer had tried to use the argument of self-defense, but I couldn't explain why I had gone to the garage to get a weapon before Mac had attacked me. I couldn't tell them about the girl or that I had seen the future, but I guess I hadn't seen the future. I only saw what that little demon wanted me to see. And here I sit, awaiting death row. Sometimes I still see her in the small mirror in my cell. She is always smiling faintly, looking at me with those empty holes. And sometimes I hear her laughter, echoing down the old prison hallway. I know as I walk down that last path to the electric chair, I will hear her loudest laughter and all because I decided to play a child's game on Halloween.